Hi, I'm Jennifer Z, and welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy Podcast. Here's what you can expect from listening to Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy. My true passion is all about helping educate you, the listener, on food, fitness, and wellness. I educate through my own story and experiences on a multitude of topics, including inflammatory conditions, women's health, plant-based nutrition, fitness, and mindfulness. It's designed to teach you how you can become your most powerful self every single day. From interviews with today's top health, fitness, wellness, and spiritual experts, this podcast is a fun and happy atmosphere. So sit back and enjoy some of the amazing interviews that I have with experts and people who have completely transformed their lives through plant-based nutrition, fitness, and wellness. And if you love this podcast and would love to see it grow with even more incredible episodes, you now have the opportunity to support the Jennifer Z podcast by visiting jenniferz.com forward slash podcast. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-Z-E-E.com forward slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. This helps me amp up the podcast finding more incredible guests while increasing the number of episodes being published. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Jennifer Z community. Hey guys, welcome to the Jennifer Z plant-based and happy podcast. Today I'm super stoked because I get to chat with one of the coolest vegans out there. Jay Brave is a creative entrepreneur, broadcaster, and activist. His expertise is in business policy and planning, sustainable futurism, and critical race theory. Jay creates multimedia content for his clients as well as via his social channels and websites. He has previously made community-based films in a search for ethnic identity in his remit as the project coordinator for the Center for British African Caribbean Studies. And he is now head of marketing and communications for the Africa Center. Jay and I are gonna chat all about what led him to veganism, how having a daughter has changed his perspective on the world and its sustainability, And we also chat about what he would do if his daughter decides against being a vegan when she grows up. Lots to chat about with Jay. So without further ado, let's get started. Hey, Jay, welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy Podcast. I want to thank you so much for coming on. This is awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Very exciting. Yeah. So let's jump right in. What led you to veganism? Actually, it was a number of different things, uh, but the, the, the story which I kind of like now tell more often than not because it kind of has the most visceral effect was uh, my, my now wife and I, we used to work at uh, a mass food production company, a place where we were making like, uh, like 10,000 meals plus per week for people who had like uh, gym requirements, like uh, weight loss, weight maintenance or weight gain. But in essence, these were like macro developed meals uh, for like an uh, on-the-go market. Mm-hmm. But while we were working there, we were both in uh, executive positions. So we were both like in the office, but our office was set above the mezzanine, on a mezzanine floor above the production floor. And when you actually start to see how 
mass food is produced and created, I would challenge anybody to not change their dietary habits. But let me tell a little story. So as you may well imagine, the companies that deliver the, the, the raw ingredients that you need for making your meals, in essence, the diced chicken, the big bits of beef or whatever it is, they're massive companies, bigger than your company, who have logistic vans that probably do their deliveries during the middle of the night when there's no traffic on the street. What that means is that you give them uh, a key to, in essence, like the, the there's a section at the, at the front of your production facility where deliveries can be dropped and you give these keys to your suppliers so they can put the food within your premises but not within your actual facility. Uh, but in essence, it's a, a non-refrigerated mini area that just like exists in between the outside world and your facilities. Now, what we would witness happening was the meat in those big bags, 500 kilogram like, bags of like diced beef or chicken pieces would be dropped there in big plastic sacks at 5 a.m., say, but by the time that we would arrive at work at, say, 8 a.m., especially in the summer when the sun is already up by that time, and it's a metal corrugated uh, door that is, in essence, what protects the outdoors from the indoors, that metal warms up in the early morning sun, and then that meat is sat congealed, warm, Ugh. in a big bag of blood for hours before then your workers come, and what they do is actually hose the meat down and then recolor it with food coloring to make it look like fresh meat and fresh food. It was horrific. <laughs> like, oh I watched it, but, but the thing is, while I was involved in the marketing process of, of the food, I was, in essence, like on board with the light. I was telling people, this is organic, farm-reared, and using all of those uh, marketing tropes that we use to make people believe that their food is something that it isn't. But then I began to realize, because I hadn't realized until I became part of that, lie myself how bad our lies even were and it was in that moment that i realized wow i need to be having more of a hand in my own food and the only things that i put into my own body i need to have a better understanding of our everything from our ecosystems like in the natural world to also our production ecosystems and value chains how can we do this to ourselves like how can we in good conscience be making food for ourselves and for our friends and family and people who are saying they're trying to better their lives, but we know that we're giving them stuff that is essentially poison. Absolutely. And I feel like there's something empowering about being able to take control over what you put into your body. And, you know, and, and then the more you know about what goes on behind the scenes, the more empowered you feel to do something about it. And it's very hard to go back and forget everything that you've seen or heard. A hundred percent. I mean, I believe in that Pandora's box philosophy across all walks of life. Once you've learned something or you know something, it's impossible to walk it back. I, I mean, I, I, to me, I often like bulk and like look around and wonder at people who are aware of, uh, say, for example, processed meat and pork, for example, being like a schedule one carcinogenic akin to yes. smoking or asbestos. But the dissonance that I see people with and like, they're like, who cares? But for me, I'm the kind of person, once I hear those kind of things, I can't go backwards. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you, especially when it comes to processed meats. It's just, it's crazy. So I love your vegan shut up freestyle. Can you talk Thank about you the It's amazing. And we're actually going to post the link to the show notes because everyone needs to see this. It's so cute. Um, can you talk about the inspiration behind this video? Well, yeah. So uh, here in the UK, where I'm, uh, where I'm based, 
we have a, an artist who I believe he's now become like a global artist, Stormzy. And uh, he had a track which was called Shut Up. It was the UK number one. He kind of redefined the whole scene here in the UK, like uh, grime music as we know it. But in essence, it is the equivalent to what I suppose on your side of the pond would be uh, trap, drill, that kind of like uh, the music. The, the music from the street that kind of speaks to youth culture a lot. And uh, yeah, he had a song called Shout Out. And just when I've been, just at about the time when I was becoming vegan, uh, I'm someone who across my whole life, I've been known for giving people a hard time whenever they make new decisions in their life. Someone seems to dye their hair, cut their hair, get married, new partner. I'm that person who will be there, like, you know, just in essence, just ribbing them a little bit to just, just to really check that you're 100% sure about what you've done here. You're 100%. <laughs> and so as you can imagine, the moment that I became vegan, every single person that I've collated across my whole life was only too happy for the pylon of like, oh, here we go. Uh -huh. Like, here's the hippie. Here's the... They, they came up with every, every single thing I could imagine. But in that moment, I thought to myself, right, there's a crossroads here. I can either become that preachy, whiny vegan that they're trying to make me out to be, or I can approach this with... Uh, a little bit of, of, of humor, with some balance, with some like comedic timing and speaking to the strengths that I already have. I mean, I do marketing and communication. Uh, I've always enjoyed like writing. I, I, I write like long form, I write essays, I write poetry, but I've also helped people like write songs and write music and raps before. And I've done a lot of like freestyles. And so uh, it was kind of all that together that made me think to myself, how can I answer for people, people going like, oh, you don't eat meat, oh, you don't do this. And the overwhelming thing I wanted to tell everybody was, shut up. <laughs> and I was like, well, what, what were the chances that currently the UK number one from the hottest artist in Europe is a song called Shut Up? Yeah. And so I thought, right, how do I reverse engineer this to tell my new vegan story by using his shut up and his, in essence, in inimitable style? And the, the history was made. Uh, in the first instance, I only came up with just like the opening bars, like, man, try to say you got to eat meat? Tell my man, shut up. And people found that so funny already. And I was like, right, okay, let's see, let's see if I can do a full three minutes of the freestyle of it. And then, in, in essence, the, the song actually ended up writing itself. And I was actually so proud that I, over those uh, three minutes of that song, I was able to like touch on so many things that actually uh, are a part of the, our, our vegan lifestyle. Right. And it's brilliant because it's very, it's sort of, it's a new approach to how to describe veganism and how, you know, and your journey. Um, because I, I noticed that sometimes vegans can get a little bit aggressive and almost um, defensive about their veganism. Whereas, you know, for me, it's just, it's a part of my life. And the one thing that I wanted to ask you too, is how do you deal with that feedback when you get people who are nitpicking about whether whether or not you're wearing something vegan or if you're using vegan products or if they see, for example, like I wear fake faux leather and sometimes I'll get comments on my Instagram like, oh, you're wearing leather. And if I don't specify that it's faux leather, then I get attacked. So how do you deal with those types of people? Uh, I really want to give like a, an allegory, which is, I mean, it's got a whole lot of uh, plot spoilers in it. Like it's kind of a Game of Thrones one, which is while people are quabbling over who's going to be Lord this, who's going to be that, the mm. Night King is coming. The environment is coming to kill us now, yeah. basically. If people <laughs> want to go to me like, oh, your jacket looks like it's leather. I'm like, yeah, but 
I want our children to have a world in 10 years. If you want me to, if, if you want to, if that's what you want to talk about, like I'll humor your conversation, but it actually doesn't matter to me one iota. What right. matters to me is how we can reverse the damage we've done. It's no longer good enough to just abstain. We now actually have to actively work to reverse the damage that we are doing to this environment. That all of the damage that we're talking about as well has actually only happened since the beginning of the first industrial revolution. We have literally, in four point however many billion years, taken only 300 years to, in essence, bring on our six mass extinction. And that is what I kind of like, it, it is lodged in my head. It's like a post-it note on the front inside of my forehead that mm. all the time I look at. And so when people kind of do want to nitpick at me going, but what about this? But oh, don't you still get on a plane? Or don't you still use public transport that like, has leather seats or uses? And I'm like, I get that. I get that all these things are happening. All I can do is everything that I personally can do. I can try and inspire the people around me. I yes. guess it's something that you're not on board with with me. What I'm definitely not going to do is waste my time fighting you. Like what I'm going to do is keep on finding more and more people who do believe what I believe or do believe that once I bring it to their attention that there is something that they can do, are willing to do something. That's a fantastic answer because I think that a lot of people get caught up in the details. And I think personally, you know, you're following what is true to you and you're looking at the big picture rather than wait, like you said, wasting your time with all of the, all of the nonsense. But how has, because you're a new father, how has having a daughter changed your perspective on the world and its sustainability? I, it's really not lost on me that now having a new daughter who is like, she's not even six months old yet, oh. but knowing that, but knowing that we're talking about a world that if we do not make like uh, wholesale changes will not be the world that we know within only 10 years. All I can see is what will my 10 year old daughter think? Where will she be? What will she be doing? Like of all the things that we have had to enjoy over our lives, what will she not be able to enjoy because of decisions like hubristically that we at our generation have made? And so she kind of serves almost as like a living stopwatch or a living clock to me that I look at her and I'm reminded every single time I look in her face, obviously by her like uh, her undeniable beauty. She looks like her dad. Um, <laughs> uh, but when I, when I can get over that, like basically, it just reminds me that what world is it that you have been born into? What is it that, like, you know, that I can do to help you, like, you know, make more positive change than even I do? I mean, what I recognize about children is something I've always seen is we stand on the shoulders of giants in our parents who have given us so much opportunity to be able to be the people that we are at the next generation. And my mum is a giant, is a titan who I've stood on the shoulders of, who has enabled me to be someone who has become a compassionate, like, empathetic uh, learner and a lover of life and a lover of other human beings. And so I hope that that is something that my mum learned herself and then imparted to me. And it wasn't actually part of her life growing up uh, as a first-generation immigrant here in the UK. But I hope that now that the lessons that I've learned from my mum and that I have now added to my life, that I'm able to pass on to my daughter so that through just even how she lives her life, without having to be like a vocal activist or having to go out and finger wag at people, but just right. the life that she lives is enough to inspire people to, to make change. Uh, I mean, uh, just, to, just to finish on that, one thing I do also recognize though is we live in a very patriarchal and misogynistic world that I am only too happy, or not too happy, but I'm happy to at least admit my culpability and, like, you know, and my privilege as a man within that world. Uh, 
And so within that, like what I want to do and make apparent for my daughter is that while there are uh, uh, particular prejudices within this world that do like benefit me as a, uh, as, as a man, that this is still a world for her to, to live in and to fulfill to the best of her ability and to, to achieve everything that she still hopes and wants to achieve and that no man, no woman, nobody of any different uh, like background or, or people who purport to be better based on like racial lines or ethnic lines or class lines will ever be able to tell her that. And so, yeah, as I said, I try and impart that even from now. Every single day, I'm mindful of the conversations I have around her. I no longer watch or listen to like musical programs despite in the background. I put in my earphones to watch stuff because I still want her to pick stuff up like, uh, like unconsciously, which like, can sometimes be like damaging in the long run. So, I mean, yeah, it's very much a labor of love, but then I know that it was a labor of love for my mum with me. Uh, and so, yeah, back to that point in, in seeing her as obviously a beautiful human being, but also as a representation of time and of how we have evolved actually speaks to me and helps me become a more compassionate person every day. Right. And I think that that's an amazing way to parent, um, especially, you know, when, when children are so susceptible to things and they pick up things that you wouldn't even think until one day they say something and you're like, oh gosh, you were listening to that. Um, and, you know, the best part of your daughter being so young is the fact that she's going to be a complete vegan or so I'm assuming. Um, and, 100%. You know, because I, I've spoken to so many people who have such a hard time with their kids because they become vegan later in life and trying to transition their children. It's, it's a difficult task. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what would you do if your daughter decided to move away from veganism in the future? How would you deal with that? It's a very, uh, it's a very uh, like interesting theoretical question because, I mean, my overarching belief is that by the time that she was able to make those kind of choices, that the world would actually have become overwhelmingly vegan. I know that I at the moment. I have to agree. It, yes, I, I know that. I know. That. I know that at the moment it seems like no way, but I, I have been doing the research. I've been working in this field of sustainability, uh, vegan futurism. Uh, and of the future circular economies uh, for a while now. And from everything that I have learned and, and understood, uh, it is an inevitable phenomenon. It is coming. And I think that by the time that my daughter is even, like say, that 10 years old, for her to, at that point, want to go in the direction of, I want to, it, it will actually probably not only turn the heads of me and her mum, but it probably actually even turn the heads of our friends who are currently meeting through now. Like we'll be like what? <laughs> uh, the thing is, the, 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 thing, the thing about that 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 that, uh, that premise that people pose all the time. I mean, it's one of the many uh, the, the many theoretical uh, prepositions that people like. You know, the, the desert island. What were you doing, your children? But I'm like, all of them are so fanciful because I believe that by the same token, uh, the likeness of your child picking that up would be the same likeness of them picking up like smoking or any other like bad habit if it's mm. something that is not apparent in any walk of your life it would be almost like odd it would almost be antithetical to everything that they know believe love to make that kind of decision and again i think that there may be like you know luckily uh, both my wife and i are amazing vegan cooks 
we both make oh, amazing nice. food like from for everything from like the full-on like comfort food and junk food all the way through to the whole food like bean salads and alkaline uh and alkaline raw dishes that we make in a dehydrating oven but we have enough variety across the food that we eat that i couldn't imagine in the same way that someone who does eat meat doesn't sit there thinking i wonder what it'd be like to eat a cheetah i wonder what it'd be like to eat a rhinoceros because they're, ha they're happy with the offering that they've got and similarly i believe that my daughter our children and hopefully the people who are also within our social circle as it keeps on growing wider will also be inspired by the food and the lifestyle that we live and will not want to go back to ways of your it's almost like an outdated way too because you know i i've often said that i went plant-based for health reasons but you know, there's so many options now today and there's just more and more plant-based restaurants opening up and steakhouses that used to be 100% and dairy are now turning towards, you know, like a 50 or 60% plant-based menu. So, you know, if I had have tried to do this, say 10 years ago, I probably would have been in a little bit of trouble, but I see the momentum going and I see the trend, like you were saying, it's, it is going plant-based. So, Yes, it would be, I agree with you, it would be a little bit odd to see your daughter revert to eating meat or something like that. And you also mentioned your friends who are meat eaters. How do you deal with, how do you deal with those friends? Well, funnily enough, I, I, I have been very lucky because I think as well, I have a very big personality and it's very hard to knock me off my perch, very hard to kind of like, you know, like, yeah, like take me out of my stride. And so people who have been done the, but what about bacon or trying to eat meat in front of me, they've realized basically probably within their first or second attempt at trying to goad me or wind me up that <laughs> they were making a fool of themselves, really. And so they, they, they pretty much packed it in like from the beginning. Uh, the second worry that I had, and a lot of people do have, is that people are going to stop inviting you to the dinner party or inviting you out because it's like, oh, here comes old Moni Vegan. <laughs> but... Again, I actually think that, and it may, maybe, maybe I'm speaking. I felt that with uh, the majority of my friends, they knew that if I am not there, like in, in, in social stuff, like all of your social lives are going to be worse for it. So, yeah. like, drop. drop <laughs> Drop me at your peril, really. Like I'll go and fight. Like 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 Beyonce says. Like I'll get another year in a minute. In fact, they'll be nice. here in a minute. Absolutely. Like, uh, and so I just remind people that, like, you know what? At the end of the day, like, I have a very uh, there's a big circle of people, and there's a big circle of people who also want to become friends with with me. Not me personally, but me because of the lifestyle that I'm choosing to live with a very like you know future facing outlook. And so I'm like to people, if you want to be invested in the past. I will leave you there in the past. Yep. And, I am, and I am moving to the future with those people who are also invested in not only my future and my children's future, but all of our future. Because those are the people who the conversation matters. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit quickly. We'll talk about your favorite vegan advocates. Who are they and how do they inspire you? Well, actually, something that I didn't mention when talking about my vegan song uh, someone who did inspire me is actually someone, he's an American artist who's great. And he made a track called uh, uh, Vegan Thanksgiving about three or four years ago now. And he now, he has a, a line of t-shirts and stuff, plant-based dripping is his thing. But to me, 
he's like one of like the the, the coolest like guys that I've seen on, on social media. He again has like unflappable kind of like like vibe and persona. Like every single time that I see him, and then with his partner as well, like Chef Nikki, who like makes this amazing vegan food. He just sells the lifestyle to me in a way that I living like you know in a total different reality, opposite side of the world, look and go, I want to live like you. And it inspired me to think, how do I live my life so that other people also watch me and go, I just want to live like you. And so like, yeah, I mean, someone who I've not reached out to and maybe doesn't even know I feel that way, but great, if you're listening, you're my man. Amazing. Final question for you, Jay. If you could go back and give younger Jay at the beginning of his transition to veganism a piece of advice, what would you tell him? Tofu skins. Like, if you want to create that flavor, <laughs> no, 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 no. That is very true, though. If you, if, you're, if you are missing like, your, your processed meats, your salamis, bacons, those kind of things, and you're wondering how to recreate that flavor, something that I actually, it took me a while because I actually had to speak to somebody who is of uh, Oriental descent and was able to, like, tell me with, like, uh, with, like ethnic surety, this is how you do this. It's, you don't just use the, the body of the tofu, it's tofu skins, which like kind of like take all of the flavor and you can crisp them and turn it into like crispy bacon uh, and, and or, or recreate a lot of the kind of the meats that people miss in the first instant. Because yeah, I, I can admit that at the beginning of my vegan journey, and because like, I went cold turkey, I kind of almost went vegan overnight. And when I say overnight, I mean literally the day before, I was smoking like, like backs of ribs I had like, like seasoned 400 chicken wings for my mate's big uh, Nigerian barbecue. And I probably cooked like in excess of 10, 15 kilograms of meat. And then oh. next day it was like, and I'm vegan. Like, uh, and so at the beginning, yeah, the, 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 the hangover of all of that was, was, was with me. The specter of my old diet and my old habits like, like was, was just there throbbing in, like, in my mind. And so the, what I advice I would give myself is, Learn about flavors and about food before you make the, the jump if you want it to be sustainable. Because a lot of other people that I know who have tried it or tried to go vegan with their diet at least, because again, something I should mention is that I now do live a full vegan lifestyle. Right? A vegan lifestyle does include like, uh, everything from pharmaceutical medicines to deodorant, which, like, which aren't vegan, uh, to... to, to uh, as I said, to even in trying to like mitigate and offset your travel. Uh, and all of these things are, play a part in a vegan lifestyle, which is separate from a vegan diet. But invariably, to get to a vegan lifestyle, it will begin with a vegan diet. Absolutely. And so if the, and so if the steps to your vegan diet are too difficult, you'll never get all the way to a vegan lifestyle. So the yeah. tips that I would give to myself and to anybody who is wanting to start on this journey, don't try and go like, you know, cold turkey overnight. It's not advisable for everybody. I would say that, Work on a couple of meals that you like. Try and do a little bit of elimination uh, uh, process first. Like, can I take out one? If I have three pieces of chicken in my dinner, can I take away one? Can I take away two? So I take it and work in the same way that I would say to someone, if you're going to try and do New Year's resolution, don't on the 1st of January go, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to start running, I'm going to quit drink. You're not going to do all of them. You won't. <laughs> do try one, like basically at a time. And once you get one in a habit and you've got that working, then you try another one. Then you try another one. I mean, I know it's not very vegan to, to quote the book, The Art of War from Sun Tzu, but if you try and fight battles on multiple plays at the same time, you will lose. 
you can yeah. only fight one battle at a time. And yeah, so, yeah, if there's any advice I would give myself, it is, and I would still give to myself, and even now as an activist, only fight one battle at a time. Fight the battle that's in front of you. And the overwhelming battle of our time now is the battle for our planet. And so I would say to everybody who's listening, do something, whether or not it's your plastics, whether or not it's your diet, whether or not it's your air travel, there's something you can do to help save our planet. Absolutely. Jay Brave, you are amazing. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. The best way to spread the word about the amazing benefits of healthy living through plant-based food, fitness, and wellness is to share it with your friends and family. You can do this in person or through the various social media platforms out there. I'm so thankful for each and every like, share, and comment. And if you're looking for more food, fitness, and wellness inspos, please visit the JenniferZ.com website. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Jennifer Z community. And until next time, stay happy, healthy, and plant-based.